You are listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. Hey guys, this is Mikey Puckett with Seven Rivers Student Ministry. You're listening to episode 19, a study on sin, suffering, and evil. This is going to be a three-part series this week where we're going to be digging deeper into this concept, this mystery of God existing and evil existing at the same time. And so you've just heard, you know, 18 stories as you followed with us. You've you've gone through the book of Philippians with us and you're going through it with us and you're seeing how Paul is experiencing evil, how the church experiences evil and suffering, and how you yourself experience evil and suffering. And you live in a world right now under the you know, regime and the, the persecution in a sense of COVID-19, which is in and of itself a virus, which is evil. It infiltrates the human body. It rewires the cell in the human body, hijacks the DNA, and turns the cell against itself. That's evil. And so we're going to kind of talk about this theologically. And I hope that if you have questions, that you would just email us at srsm at sevenrivers.org. If you disagree with me, email us at srsm at sevenrivers.org. I'm not here saying that I understand this fully. And I'm not here saying that all of this makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I struggle with this, and uh, and if you're listening, you probably struggle with this too, if you're still listening at least. Uh, you've probably had the same questions. If God is so good, if God exists, if he's all-powerful, all-knowing, if he is the creator of all things, then why is there evil? Then why do people lose their children? Then why do people die? Then why do I lose my loved ones? Then why do people get sick and get COVID-19? Then why does disease run rampant? Then why do people uh, rape each other, kill each other? Then why do people steal from each other? Then why are people racist and sexist? Then why do people bully? Then why do people call each other ugly? Then why do siblings hate each other and parents hate children and children hate parents? It's really easy for us to acknowledge that evil exists. You've heard evil in these stories. You see it on the news. You experience it in your day-to-day life. Now, there are a lot of people in the world that say that they don't believe in God because evil and suffering exist. And this is why it's so important as a Christian, and if you're a Christian, to really wrestle with this and to bring your questions up and to uh, talk about this and, and use scripture to answer these questions. And people who who use and say evil and suffering uh prove that God doesn't exist, they usually are asking this question. If God is good, loving, gracious, all-powerful, all-knowing, then why would the when then why would he let evil exist on his earth? And I think this is a good question. I think this is a spiritual mystery that is definitely worth searching for the answer. This mystery leads to other mysteries and before long, you'll find yourself kind of lost and swimming in a pool of mysteries. But I think that's not so bad to do sometimes. I think all of those mysteries are worth searching and learning about. But unfortunately, in this little podcast and even in this three-part series, 
we don't have enough time to necessarily open up the box of mysteries and, and dive through what all the nuances and mysteries of this kind of idea of evil and God existing. Um, but we can we can focus in and, and maybe get somewhere and get somewhere to a place where we can really feel confident and really find that God is worth trusting in. Um, when we when we focus in on the mystery of God existing and evil existing. So that's where I really want us to get to. It's a point where, okay, okay, evil is is present. I, I know it exists. But God is in control and I can trust him. So we're going to really focus in on really this um, idea of how does both God and evil exist at the same time. And so I'm going to move maybe fast and I'm going to maybe make a lot of jumps and I'm really making two assumptions about you right now, the listener. And if you don't match these assumptions, that's okay. You can keep listening, but just know that the reason why I make a lot of jumps and conclusions is because I'm assuming these things about you that may not necessarily be true of you. And if they're not true of you, then I think you can still listen to this. I just would love for you to try to reach us at srsm at sevenrivers.org, send us an email, and let's have a conversation about some of these other other ideas that I'm kind of assuming about you already. So the first assumption that I'm making about each of you who are listening is, is one, I'm assuming that you are a um, Christian, okay? Or at the very least that you kind of believe that God exists or you, I'm assuming that you have this kind of or you have a belief that there is a creator, okay? There is something bigger and better than you that has created all of this. This is not random. This is not, you know, just something that just kind of was like a pot of ingredients that was stirred together and then boom, magically this all appears. No, you're someone who says this is intentionally made and designed and there's order to it. Um, you you know, you see it, um, you know, you see that when you, you experience evil, you say it's wrong. You know, you say that, um, you automatically, you know, you are automatically repulse against it and say, this is out of order when you experience evil. Now, if you're, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe there is order, then you really actually should stop saying that things are evil. Because when you say that something's evil, you're automatically assuming that things are out of order. And if you think things have come together at random and out of chaos and disorder without any exterior force upon it creator upon it to bring it together if you if you're someone who, who believes that this is just random then to say something's evil is to you're naturally contradicting your belief and you're assuming order because you, to say something is evil you're saying that this is not the way it's supposed to be there and so you're assuming a precedent that there is a way for things to be and so you're you're by if you don't believe in a creator and order in this planet, um, that this was designed and has intentionality and there's meaning behind it. If you don't believe those things, then to say something is evil is maybe not the best terminology for you to use. It would be better for you to say, I don't like those things that people do. So like it would be more of your personal opinion or preference. You can't say like it's evil, but you could say like, oh, I don't like that people murder each other. But to say it's evil, you would be assuming you would be contradicting yourself and saying that there's, you would be saying essentially, I believe there is an order and this person is wrong. But you can say, I don't like it, if that makes sense. So a little bit of like a pushback on those who may not believe in a creator, who may not believe in God, who say all the time 
hey, this is evil, this is not the way it should be, well, you really, you can't really say that because you don't believe in a right or a wrong. You believe in just what you like and you don't like, essentially. Okay, so another assumption I'm making as well is that you, the listener right now, you see the Bible as God's word. I'm going to use God's word to really flesh this out, okay? You see it as authoritative and true and inspired. Okay, so those are some of the things that I'm assuming about you. And if you're sitting here like, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe in God, Mikey, you're crazy, this is all crazy, I still encourage you to listen. Um, and I encourage you to engage with this. And let's talk about it. And let's... I'm. I'm tired of not talking about these things. I want to talk about these things. I just listened to all these stories that all these awesome and beautiful people have shared. And, you know, something that is burning inside of me is, okay, evil exists, God exists. So then how do how do we make somewhat sense of this? And can we trust God if evil exists? Okay, so this is, this is worth it to me. And I want to have these conversations. And you're not going to offend me if you disagree with me. You're not going to offend me if you want to debate and talk and you know, I love you guys and um, I love each one of you who are listening and I hope you love me too and I hope we can have a conversation like this. All right, so let's let's start getting into this. So there's God and there's evil. We, we know that these things are happening. And, you know, I would even say, you know, because there's evil, in some ways for me, when I see evil, it almost, as a Christian, emphasizes more that God is really existing and really real. So that that is kind of what I want to say at the beginning. And, and so how is this working together? So some people say that God created evil, all right? Some people say that God was surprised by evil. On the other hand, they would say, oh, he was surprised by evil and is just doing the best he can to clean up all this mess. Uh, you know, surprise, evil happened, and he's over here trying to mop it all up while we are making a mess in the kitchen over and over again. But the Bible does not actually allow for these to be fully true. He, The Bible doesn't let this to be fully true. So from God's word, what do we know to be true? We know that one, God could not have created evil, okay? Uh, if you, there's a document called the Westminster Confession of Faith, and I'm going to read to you uh, chapter three, which is of God's eternal decree. God from all eternity did by his most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Lots of big words, fancy words, but the cool thing about the Westminster Confession of Faith is that it offers really good language to be able to understand this. And so it says that God has ordained everything, but God is not the author of sin. And so there is a difference between ordaining and creating. Um, there's a difference in allowing something to happen and actually making such a thing happen. So in the Westminster Confession of Faith, they provide you with proof texts. So one of the proof texts in the Bible for this is 1 John 1, 5, which is, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, it also uh, talks about, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither evil dwell with thee, neither shall evil dwell with thee. This is Psalm 5, 
4. Then you have James 1, 13 through 14, which says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So there's this concept of, okay, God did not author sin, okay? He did not create it. But yet sin, evil, suffering, pain exists on this planet. And it is part of the human condition, which brings us to Genesis 1. So you have to understand in Genesis, sorry, not Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You've got to start at the beginning even to understand this, that when God created all things, it was very, very good. And so let's look at Genesis 1 through 3, and let's talk a little bit about these chapters and this story of creation fall in the fall. So in Genesis 1, we see a identification of what man is, and then we see a role that man is supposed to play as a mediator between God and his creation, okay, and all things that were created. Let me read to you Genesis 1, 27 uh, through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, okay? Identity. We are made in the likeness of God, in his, in his image. We bear his image. And God blessed them, and God said to them, so this is, okay, this is our role. This is, this is what we're supposed to do with our lives. He says, be fruitful and multiply, aka make a lot of babies and spread my image all over the earth. And fill the earth, okay, okay, catch it on, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So you're supposed to subdue my creation, which is to have have power over, to put place it under yourself, to con, you know bring control and order with it, um, and keep it in order with the Father, with God, and have dominion over all of it. Okay, and so in a sense, we're set up as kings of this realm called earth. And it's part of our responsibility is to fellowship with God and to pass on that blessing to creation. All right, so you see that picture painted, all right? So then this is this is what happens next. We we see that in, in that the the Lord tells uh Adam and Eve, "Hey, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, okay. So there's this knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it, all right? Don't disobey. Don't sin. Don't rebel against God. But then in Genesis 3, we see a serpent more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And then he twists the words of God using parts of what he was saying and causes her to question. And she then eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then man eats of the knowledge of, of good and evil, and the the stakes of eating of this tree was you will die. If you eat of this tree, you will die. What is one of the biggest signs to us on earth that there is evil is death. Here we have an explanation in the word of God of where this is coming from and happening. We were given a responsibility. We were given a task 
and we were told not to do a certain thing, and human beings disobeyed. And the consequences is sin, death, suffering, and separation from God. It's a really, really big deal. Now, was God surprised by this? Did God not know that Adam and Eve was going to do this? No, God did know. And this is where it gets somewhat hard and you start to wrestle with this. Okay, so God created us and he knew that we would disobey. This did not surprise him. This did not shock him. This did grieve him. This did make him sad. But for whatever reason, the Lord saw it fit for this to take place and he knew it would happen. Where am I pulling this information from? Well, in order for us to talk about this a little bit further, we got to get into the New Testament. So jump over with me to Ephesians 1.11. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 1.11. He says, In him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. According to the purpose of him, of God, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, having been predestined. So, and we see this in Romans, we see this in, in many other passages throughout the Bible, this idea that God foreknows and predestines all things and ordains all things to come to pass. Nothing surprises him. So somehow we sit here right now in this moment and we have to wrestle with this idea that God was not surprised. So then what is happening when evil, when there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and we disobey, and then the, we become corrupted because of disobedience and separation from God. And so, you know, you get passages where it talks about the heart is deceitful of all things. You know, in Romans, it talks about how all fall short of the glory of God, that we are dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. And so there's now this, there's this, consequence of rebellion against God that does result in evil, sin, and suffering. So we, we get to this point where God does not create evil, but he wills evil. This is He doesn't create it. He wills it to happen. He ordains and allows and permits for evil to occur. The reason for this, to the best that we can know, is that it's for God's purposes. It's for God's will. We see that in Ephesians 1. It's according to his will and his purpose. So for whatever reason, evil does play a role in God's purposes and in his will. God uses infidelity. And we, and we see this in this Bible. Sorry, we see this in Bible stories. We see God use infidelity. We see him use murder, genocide, slavery, all kinds of evil, things that are are. You know, as you read the Bible, if you read the Bible, you would just be disgusted and you would revile at these things. You would be angry at these things. He uses all kinds of evil. And, and he uses this evil to actually advance his kingdom and to bring himself glory. Think about even Jesus. 
the evil that had to occur for him to come to earth. The line, the, his genealogy is littered with scandal, with sin and rape, with murder, with adultery and prostitution. And here comes from this line of David with tons of messiness and tons of sin, suffering, pain, and hurt comes Jesus. And then we see the greatest evil ever done, the Son of God dying on the cross. And that evil brings forth God glory. Evil is not something that is part of God. He has no evil in him. But it exists because God allows it to. He lets it to. We see in Job, Satan having to come to the Lord and ask permission to inflict uh, you know, a, a temptation and persecution upon Job. And the Lord has to give permission for such things. Evil exists because God allows it to. And because it plays a role in glorifying himself. So we're often tempted, and, and even myself included, I'm tempted to try and let God off the hook in a sense with this existence of evil. I'm tempted, you know, to just be like, okay, like, God's a God of love. Like, like it's hard to swallow that God allows evil to exist. But this is the God who we worship. And, and part of the issue is I'm misunderstanding who I am. I'm misunderstanding that I'm a sinner. I'm misunderstanding that who am I to know what is good? Who am I to say to the creator that this is the way things should be and how they should be? If I was in control, we would all be in big, big trouble. And this is even what happens in the story of Job. Job reaches out to the Lord, cries out to the Lord, says, God, this is terrible what's being done to me. I've lost my family. I've lost my kids. Like, this is horrible. Like, and he's angry and he's and he's. And God listens, and then God says, Job, where were you when I was laying the foundations of the world? Where were you when I created light in the darkness? Where were you? Do you control that? Do you control the universe and the stars? And do you control the seas? And did you set its borders? And did you create the land? And he goes on and on and, and, and on and on. And it's a beautiful passage in Job. And if you haven't read Job, you need to read Job. But listen, like that's the point is who am I? And Job says, and responds in worship and repentance and says, you're right, Lord. You're right, God. This is about you and your glory. There's something scary about that, but there's something really relieving and freeing for a Christian to realize that it's all about God and his glory. And my purpose is to bring him glory. And God uses evil to bring himself glory. You know, when we try to be like, okay, like we got to figure out how to like, not like be like, God, you know, like we try to, when we work really hard to try to make sense of God and evil, sometimes what happens is it actually starts to begin to look like that evil is in control and that actually evil controls God. We make it look like something that God is overwhelmed by. He can't handle our crap. He can't handle our sin. He can't handle it. He can't figure it out. He's he's perplexed by it. It's complicated. And it looks actually like evil is in control. In the Bible, we know that God is in control of evil. We see it in the stories. 
even though people live lifetimes in the stories, God uses that evil well beyond their life to bring him incredible glory. That means that God is going to use the evil I experienced in losing my daughter Blakely to bring incredible glory and purpose and meaning to this planet. And I have no idea how that's going to happen. And maybe you don't either. But 100 years from now, 200, 300, 500,000, it is going to make sense and be made right. God uses evil to bring himself glory. And I know I'm just hammering that over and over again, but that is just a really good truth for us. No matter how hard evil tries to work against God's purposes, it always and continuously furthers God's purposes and brings him glory. I think about Joseph, the story of Joseph in Genesis. And literally, Joseph encounters evil. Joseph is the youngest son of Abraham, and he has older brothers, and he essentially is, it's clear that he's Abraham's favorite. And all his older brothers decide to uh, essentially sell him into slavery and tell Abraham that Joseph is dead and forget about him. So that happens in Joseph's life. So Joseph gets sold into slavery into Egypt, ends up being thrown in prison, ends up then, by the providence of God, his purpose, his will, essentially becoming a high authority, a high ruler in Egypt. And then the whole land is struck with famine. And then Joseph's brothers, they are out on the outskirts and they are struck by famine and they have to come to Egypt. And they actually come to Joseph without even realizing it and have to ask him for food that they have stored up because Joseph has been leading uh, Egypt into storing food because the Lord told him store up food. And so they literally come to him and then Joseph gets to redeem his family by forgiving them and giving them the food that they need to eat. Literally, and then it says what God, and Joseph says what God intended for evil, God meant it for good. Just in a lifetime of Joseph, I mean, this took years for it to occur. You can see that what was intended for evil was turned for good and for the glory of God. And those people that were rescued by Egypt and Joseph by storing up that food would lead to Jesus, the line that led to the birth of the Savior of the world. You see in that picture how no matter how hard evil tries, to rebel and push against God, it always ends up bringing God glory. Okay, so stick with me just a little longer. One of my people that I listen to a lot, his name is Ravi Zacharias. You should listen to him. He has a lot of great stuff out there. But he says, he, he really, he, and he's a great thinker, spiritual thinker, Christian thinker. And he talks about these four possibilities that God could have done in creating the world, all right? And these are kind of fun to think about, and I think this is very helpful for us. So the first possibility is he could have decided to create nothing. He didn't need to create anything. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together was enough. So he could have, it was enough. He didn't have to create anything. So that's one option. The second option would be a world where there is no good and evil. Essentially, it's an amoral world. All right, that's the second option. He could 
he could have created it and such. The third option would be a world where we can only choose good. It's the only option for us. There is no tree of knowledge of good and evil. We only can choose good. And the fourth option, which is the world we live in, which is a world where we can choose between good and evil, where there is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This fourth option, Ravi Zechariah says, is the only world where love can happen. Love, good and evil, and love. And so on Wednesday, let's talk about what love looks like. When you live in a world where there is a God and where there is evil, and there is good and there is evil. What does love look like? I think you've tasted it as you've listened to our stories, that there is great joy and great love, even in these stories and sadness and grief. But there's also great love and joy. So I just wanna leave us with that. It's this idea that we live in a world where there is good and there is evil, where there is a God and he allows evil to exist, and yet there is love. Thank you guys for listening. Love y'all. You matter, and you're loved. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more stories and follow our devotions, you can go to www.sevenrivers.org backslash by life or by death. You are loved and you matter.